Okay, so uh, this morning <coughs> we are digging back into our Like Jesus series. Um, so we spent time over the last, probably the last month and a half, just within 2020, we've spent time looking at love like Jesus, uh, pray like Jesus, uh, serve like Jesus, fast like Jesus. Uh, this morning we're looking at this idea of store like Jesus. Uh, just so we're clear, store like Jesus, it's not recommendations as to how to organise your loft or your cupboard. Um, instead, we're asking the question of what it is that you're investing in, and what it is that you're prioritising, what it is that you regard as most important uh, in your life, what it is that you envision with regards to all of your all of your life, not just part of your life. Um, and I'm not talking about what it is that you say is most important. Um, I'm talking about what it is that is the evidence of your life. What it is that you evidence as most important within your life. Um, if a private detective was to take a couple of months investigating your life, so checking your bank account, tapping your phone if that was legal, um, looking at what you read and watched online, what would they see as most prominent? Um, would their conclusion be one of where they said the most important area, the most important part of this person's life is Jesus Christ himself? Or would it be something else? Uh, tied very closely to this, we're going to be asking this question, what is it that you're looking ahead to? What do you have your hope in? What, do you, what are you excited about? What do you envision with regards to all of your life? To help us answer this question, both in terms of who, who you are now and who you want to be, we're continuing in Matthew chapter 6, uh, and we're looking together at verses 19 uh, through to 24. Um, so if you have your Bibles, let's just have a look at this passage. The words are going to be up on the screen. Uh, I'm reading from the CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. So Jesus speaks these words for us uh, today. So we can read God's word today and we can apply it to our lives. And through the word of God, we can be changed and transformed in the power of, of his Holy Spirit. So in verse 19, uh, Jesus says these words, uh, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, since either he'll hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Let's just take a moment to pray and ask that God would bless all that we've just read there. So Father, we just pray that as we take time to, to apply this passage to our lives, we recognise this is a difficult passage in light of our context, and where money is God, where money is priority in, in so many areas of our society and culture. Lord, I pray that we would be open and receptive to all that you would have to say to us. And Lord, I pray that we would be willing to change. We would be willing to respond to your word with obedience. And it would be in your strength. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus presents us with three different pictures. Um, and within each one of these pictures, there's two different objects or, or nouns. Uh, first picture we have is our treasure and the location of our treasure. So earth or heaven, that's the options we have. Uh, the second picture is the eye and the body. 
And the third picture is one of a servant and a master. A servant and a master. And I want to be clear this morning, there's three different pictures, but they're all pointing towards the same biblical truth. Jesus couldn't be any clearer for us regarding what this truth is within the, within the first picture that we see. So I'm no expert, but when Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, when he says those words, what he means by that is that we shouldn't store up for ourselves treasures on earth. It's basically what it means, okay? Um, and Jesus talks about treasure. When he talks about treasure, he's not talking here about this kind of general something, something we see as important. He's speaking about our money and our possessions, our material things, the things that we spend money on, the money that we have, all of these ways in which we can so easily lose sight of God. So Denison Baptist Church, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. That's my word for you this morning. I'm just echoing what Jesus says. Why do we do this? Let me share five reasons we shouldn't store up treasures on earth. First reason, because Jesus tells you not to do this. Okay, Jesus tells us like Sunday school, but it's just it's vital we understand the simplicity of what Jesus is saying. Jesus tells you not to do this. And um, we shouldn't store up treasures on earth because it is a command. To store up treasure really is to disregard, to disobey Jesus, who one day we will have to give an account of. We will have to come before a holy God and explain not just what we did within our lives, but why we did it. So to reject this teaching within your life is to sin, to turn your back on God. And this is not optional for us as believers. God commands it. And so if we are Christian this morning, we are called to obey God's commands. So number one, because Jesus tells you not to do this. Number two, because there's eternal logic behind why Jesus says this. There's an eternal logic. And we don't store up treasures on earth because there's just this, this aspect of what Jesus is saying here that really does make sense. Um, and this logic is what we read in the rest of verse 19. Because moth and rust destroy our wealth and possessions. And thieves break in and steal our wealth and possessions. See, these things are temporary. We're going to fade away. We're going to get lost. In so many different ways, we will eventually lose our money and our possessions. In the book of James, we see an echo of what it is that Jesus says here. It makes no sense to follow after wealth and possessions in light of the fact that it will all one day disappear. So in James 5, verses 1 through to 3, uh, James says this, Come now, you rich people, weep and wail over the miseries that are coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and your clothes are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver are corroded, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have stored up treasures in the last days. So if you just think this is the, the, sing, the sole passage that Jesus uh, speaks of regarding money and possessions, you would be completely wrong. Jesus spends a significant portion of his time talking about the importance of what it is we do with our money and our possessions. And it's not just Jesus. We find it in the book of James. We find it in so many different examples throughout Scripture. What we do with our money is important. What we spend with our money, the motivation behind what it is that we spend, is essential. So I hope we see 
There's a moral dimension to what Jesus says. It's moral because he commands us not to do it. But there's also this logical dimension behind what it is that Jesus is speaking of. Uh, the pastor and author, Randy Alcorn, uh, says this about what we do with our money and our possessions. Uh, so he says, we must understand that materialism, so materialism being a living for money and possessions, is not simply wrong, it is stupid. As Jesus once asked his prophet-conscious audience, what good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? The parable of the rich fool portrays himself as a successful businessman. He failed to come to terms with three fundamental facts. The mortality of his present life, the eternality of his future life, and the reality that today's choices were forging his future life. Materialism is stupid. In fact, materialism is insane. Strong words from Randy there. But these words are vital for us to take hold of, especially in our context. When we think of the priority of our culture, how important money and possessions are, God calls us to something completely different. He calls us to be salt and light, to stand out, to use our money in such a way that God is glorified through what we do. So number two, there's eternal logic behind why Jesus says this. Number three, because there's something so much better for you. So don't waste your life storing up treasure on earth because there is something so much better for you in this life. Verse 20, Alcorn is simply echoing what Jesus says in our passage. And in verse 20, Jesus wants us to see what it is that we should do instead of storing up money and possessions. So Jesus says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. So the alternative for each one of us is to store up treasure, not on earth, but in heaven. To store up treasure in heaven is to put Jesus first with your money, is to put Jesus first with your possessions. If Jesus really is Lord of your life, he is Lord of your money and he is Lord of your possessions. And when Jesus says, and when Jesus is Lord in that way, then your money and your possessions really become a vehicle for you to bless other people, a vehicle of blessing to those to whom you do not directly benefit from them being blessed. Meaning we're not talking primarily about you being generous to your immediate family because you benefit from blessing them. Well, of course, we should do that anyway. What we're talking about is generous giving to your church, to your neighbours, to your friends, to your enemies, to those in your family and wider family who have genuine need, giving towards groups and charities that are doing important kingdom work within your community. So this is what it means to store up treasure in heaven, to invest and to bless in such a way that God is glorified. And all of these examples, when you give out of a love for God and out of a desire to bless someone else, the reality is you're not actually losing anything. You're just kind of storing it away for eternity. You'll receive an incredible reward in eternity. And you'll be blessed by that beyond this life and in the life to come. You know, I sense God laying this on my heart, but just, just so that we have clarity about our giving to Ridry, when we think of all that God has planned with regards to this building, you may have made a pledge. Let me be very clear, when you did that, whether it's a, a gift or a monthly payment, you were investing in eternity. 
And if you have not yet done that, I would invite you to do that. And when you do that, you are investing in eternity. You're storing up treasure in heaven. In a physical sense, you're investing in the acquisition and refurbishment of an old church building in the east end of Glasgow. But in a spiritual sense, what's happening? You're loving God with your money. You're storing up treasure in heaven. You're awaiting a great reward as you put God first rather than money and possessions first. You're demonstrating through finance God is more important than money. God is more important than any single possession that I have. And what's amazing is that your heart is changed by that act. Your heart is recalibrated to be more towards the things of God. When you sacrifice and give in such a way that God is first in your giving, then your heart changes. You suddenly have a different perspective on life. It becomes a joy to give and to be generous and to help those in need, including our church family. And maybe you've already made a pledge, but you have this conviction in your heart that what you've pledged is not the amount you should give. You should give more. Let me say this morning, if the Holy Spirit is convicting you to do that, don't delay. Just take another card this morning and make a pledge towards the work that we're looking to establish in Ridry. And watch how God is glorified through this act, both in this life and in the life to come. And you're not losing anything. You're investing in eternity. Let me just be really clear about that. So there's something so much better for you when you give. So number three. Number four. We don't store up treasure on earth because what you store will change your heart. Because what you store will change your heart for the better or for the worse. You store up treasure on earth, your heart will be changed for the worse. You store up treasure in heaven, your heart will be changed for the better. You'll have a clearer picture of what this life is all about. Jesus moves on to highlight the earthly and eternal implications for what we regard as treasure within our own lives. So in verse 21 we read, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For, there, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So your heart really is a passenger in this vehicle. Your heart follows whatever it is that you decide to invest in. You prioritise money and possessions. Your heart's going to be all about money and possessions. You prioritise Jesus. Your heart will be all about Jesus. Obedience and disobedience really do play a major role within the condition of your own heart. So number four. Because what you store will change your heart. And then finally, number five, we don't store up treasure on earth because what you store is a reflection of your relationship with Jesus. So your storing doesn't just point towards your heart. It also points inward. And your money and your possessions become a mirror for how you understand Jesus. So if you're stingy, if you're someone who's stingy, then your heart has not really grasped God's generosity. You don't really get it. And if you're generous, hopefully in the power of God's spirit, you understand something of God's generosity towards you. If you're sacrificially generous, then you understand something of God's sacrificial generosity towards you through his dying on the cross for each one of us and his rising from the dead. God sent his only son and because of that, we can have life and life in all its fullness. That is the most generous act that anyone has ever made. So all that we do with regards to our money and our possessions are really just a picture of this gospel act. They're all pointing towards what Jesus has done towards us. 
Martin Luther says this about what we prioritise and how this reflects our own hearts, the condition of our own hearts. He says, what a man loves, that is his God, for he carries it in his heart. He goes about with it night and day. He sleeps and wakes with it. Be it what it may, wealth or self, pleasure or renown. So Jesus, in light of these five points and in light of these initial verses we've looked at, he then moves on to paint us another picture. And it's a picture of the eye and the body. And in verses 22 through to 23, uh, we read these words. If the eye is the lamp of the body, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? So again, remember what I said. This is a different picture, but it's pointing to the same biblical truth. And in this picture, Jesus is saying the same thing, but he's unpacking it a bit more. And there are two key words that stand out from all that Jesus says within this passage. And I just want us to to hold on to these words. Uh, Jesus speaks of the eye either as being healthy or the eye as being bad. Now the New American Standard Bible translates this word healthy that we have in the CSB as clear. The eye is clear. And the King James Bible translates this word as single. So if your eye is healthy, if your eye is clear, if your eye is single. And Jesus here is saying that your eye is representative of what it is that you focus on within your life. And so our eye needs to be healthy, meaning we cannot focus on anything that's not healthy. Our eye needs to be clear. Jesus is emphasizing here that none of us can focus on anything that's impure, anything that's not of God. Our eye needs to be singular. Everything we focus on in our lives should only ever have Jesus at the very center. To not focus singularly on Jesus is to actually focus singularly on darkness. We can't do two things at once. We can't focus on Jesus and focus on something else at the same time. If we're not focusing our all on Jesus, we're focusing our all on darkness. In Proverbs 4, in verses 25 through to 27, we read these words which reflect the words of Christ in Matthew 6. So the writer says this, Let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze straight ahead. Carefully consider the path for your feet and all your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet away from evil. The reality is, for each of us who have faith in Christ this morning, there is one path. There is one path. If you're considering putting your faith and trust in Christ this morning, let me just be very clear. There is one path. You can't have one foot on one area and another foot on the path that God has for you. It is both feet on one path for his glory. Any detour from that path is outside of God's plan and purpose. Uh, Robert Jameson says this uh, in his commentary on this passage. He says, As a vitiated eye, or an eye that looks not straight at its, and full at its object, sees nothing as it is, so a mind and heart divided between heaven and earth is all dark. You know, I'm, I'm guilty of daydreaming sometimes and I'll be looking at something, but I'm not looking at it at all. I've got no idea what's in front of me because it's just a kind of blurred vision. I'm thinking about something else completely. 
And so often we can give off the appearance that we are looking fully and completely on Christ. But we have this blurred vision. We're not really looking at Christ. We're not pursuing him with all that we are. We're giving off this outward appearance that we are. But deep down within our hearts, we're pursuing something else. Makes total sense. You know, if you meet up with someone and you spend time with someone you know, and all you do during that time is sit in front of your phone, how does that make the other person feel? If you spend time, you're having coffee with this person and you're talking to them, they're responding to what you're saying, um, but you're on your phone the whole time, how does that make that person feel? You may still have the conversation with them, you may hear everything they say, you may even think you can do both, but to that person, their understanding is that your sole focus is on the phone and not on them. Relationship with God is all or nothing. So choose who and what today that you will focus on. Choose what you're going to focus on. Are you going to focus on Jesus? Or will you focus on something else? But please don't just give off this appearance of focusing on Christ. But deep down you're focusing on something that is outside of God. Jesus wants us to see that these focuses also point towards something. And at the same time they nurture something within our hearts. So we're reading verse uh, 23. Um, But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? You see, the spiritual root determines the spiritual fruit. And at the same time, the spiritual root, sorry, the spiritual fruit strengthens the spiritual root. Let me just say that again. The spiritual root determines the spiritual fruit. And at the same time, the spiritual fruit strengthens the spiritual root. So I hope we see our focus is absolutely everything. It affects so much of our walk. So how do we identify with what it is that we're focusing on? How do we identify what it is that we are actually focusing on within our own lives? Let me ask you this question this morning. What do you spend time thinking about? What do you spend time thinking about? What do you spend time dreaming about? What do you spend time talking about? What do you spend time thinking about, dreaming about, and talking about? When you you lay your head on your pillow at night, where do the eyes of your heart look towards? When no one else is watching, when no one else is around, are you thinking about Jesus? Are you thinking about how much God loves you? Are you rejoicing in his grace? Are you thinking about how it is you can be more and more fruitful for him are you thinking about who it is that you can reach with the gospel your lost friends and and family or how it is you can be more effective with those you're trying to reach are you thinking about how it is you can maximize your money and your possessions for God's mission for God's plan for God's purpose or are you thinking about something or someone else is your focus on entertainment Is your focus on sport? Is your focus on relationships? Or is your focus on money and possessions? You know, I'm sharing all of this, and I've said this a few times before, when it is a challenging passage, first and foremost, I'm preaching to myself. I'm not standing up here saying that I've got all the answers to this. What I do know is that apart from God, I cannot achieve the life that God calls me to live. It is by His Spirit. So I would call you to to reflect upon these questions 
And then ask, ask God for, for help. Ask God for spiritual strength to live in such a way that he is glorified through you. And experience the joy of obeying him. It really is a joy. It is difficult, yes. But it can be difficult and a joy at the same time. Experience the fulfilment, the satisfaction that comes when you choose to live for Christ. Jesus then reinforces both the folly and the danger of trying to pursue the things of this world. And particularly the money and possessions of this world in our final verse. And we're just going to close with this verse. Verse 24. No one uh, can serve two masters. Since either he will hate one and love the other. Or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So this word serve uh, simply means to belong wholly and to be entirely under command to. To belong wholly and to be entirely under command to. So I'm just going to add that phrase in. So I'm going to replace the word serve with that phrase. So no one can belong wholly and be entirely under command to two masters. Since he'll hate one and love the other. Or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot be wholly and entirely under command to both God and money. So may it be true for each one of us this morning that we are a people who are wholly and entirely under the command of God our Father through Jesus his Son and in the power of his Holy Spirit working in and through us. So there's opportunity for us to respond uh, this morning to God's word. Um, We're going to respond by singing together and recognising that apart from God and we cannot live this kind of life that God calls us to live. Uh, there's also opportunity if you have faith in Christ uh, to come to the table. The bread and the wine are going to be here at the front. And we want to give you space during this time of worship to come forward, uh, to take the bread and to rejoice in the fact that your sins have been forgiven. And as you take that bread, to remember that Christ's body was given for you. As you take that bread, then we would invite you to dip it into the cup and to focus on the fact that Christ's blood was shed for each one of us. Through his blood, we can have life and life in all its fullness. So these are two ways in which we can respond this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we we thank you for uh, the gift of your word, and we recognise this morning that that your word in many ways uh, is challenging. But Lord, we thank you that um, with that challenge, we can experience restoration and renewal as we choose to live in light of your word. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to speak to us. And we pray, Lord, that we would experience um, a fresh infilling of your spirit, a fresh awareness of your grace towards us, and a desire to live wholeheartedly for you. Uh, We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.